0: Thanks thanks Ben, thanks Dan, that was really um, challenging, really challenging, but also very encouraging just to hear the work that you guys are doing, so it'd be good to be in prayer for you guys to support them as we move forward. So we are in the book of Nehemiah, so if you've got your Bibles, you open them up at Nehemiah chapter 12, and it's verse 27 today. My is Paul, if you're new here as well, like extend that welcome that Ben gave you before, um, I'm one of the leaders here, it's great to, great to see you this morning. We are actually approaching the end of our series on Nehemiah, and it was before the summer when we actually decided to work through Nehemiah as a church, and our reason was because as a church, we felt we needed to rebuild in a number of different ways, so we'd come through COVID and all the kind of polarity that 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 brings with different opinions and different viewpoints and different approaches. We'd moved building, which was destabilizing, settling into a new building was destabilizing with a new way of kind of functioning within a building. We planted two churches in 18 months, sending out 30 very influential and active people. And we thought the book of Nehemiah would be really helpful for us. A book about a people that had been brought together at a moment in time for the task that God gave them. A people that went back to the basics of the faith, who gathered together, who heard from God's word together, who confessed sin together, who served God together. And today what we're going to see is how they worship together. Because the, the whole point, in a way, the destination of their existence was to, wor- to worship God. Worship was the center of their lives. And I hope today that as we look at the people of God in Nehemiah's day, that we would see that it's our worship of God that is the center point of all that we do. It's the heartbeat. It's the, the thing that motivates us. It's what guides us. It's what spurs us on. It's what transforms us as we step forward together into this building work that God has called us to do. So let me pray as we come to God's word and ask for God's help as we hear from him and then I'll read it together before us. Father, you're here. We thank you that you are present. We thank you that you are here by your spirit in each and every person here. But Father, we thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we can hear from your word. Father, we thank you that we have the freedom to be able to gather this morning and hear from your word in this way. And Father, we ask for your help. By your Spirit, please lift up our eyes, lift up our gaze. Help us to see the beauty and the wonder of the truth of what this shows us about your work on our behalf in and through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 27. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings and with singing. With cymbals and harps and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem. And from the village of the Netophathites. Also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Giba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves. And they purified the people and the gates and the walls. So what we're going to see here is first of all the people who are purified for worship. So the people they completed, with God's help, what they had set out to do. And what they do is they hold a big celebration together. They want to dedicate what they've done. They're highlighting as well in dedicating it the significance of the wall, the significance of what the wall represents, the significance of God's city, as we saw last week, the significance of God's name here in this moment, the significance of this moment to them, God's people. And what they do, they gather all the Levites from all over Israel, and the tone is one of celebration. There's music and there's singing, and they encourage all of the musicians, those who are gifted and trained and experienced in music, to come, and they turn up with all their instruments. Verse 29 is a really interesting verse. It tells us that they even had villages just full of singers and musicians. What a place that would be to live. I can imagine them all just singing to each other as they walk around. But the first thing they did was to make sure that they worship rightly. They purified themselves. They purified the people, they purified the gates, they purified the the walls. There would have been washing with water, there would have been ritual purification, and there would be anointing with oil, a really special type of oil that they would use, made from olive oil and myrrh and cinnamon and some other spices thrown in. And what we're seeing here is a purified people prepared and ready to worship. And then we see a procession, verse 31 to 43. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the gate, and after them went Hoshea and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, and certain of the priests' sons with trumpets Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachariah, son of Asaph. And his relatives, Shemaiah, Azarel, Melali, Galilei, May, Nathanael, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra, the scribe, went before them. At the fountain gate, they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David, at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall. And above the gate of Ephraim, and by the gate of Yeshenar, and by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate. And they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God. And I and half of the officials with me, and the priests Eliakim, Masiah, Miniamin, Mikai, Elioniai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets. And Marcii, Shemi, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehoannon, Melkijah, El- Elim, and Ezar. And the singers sang with Jezrehaiah as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. So they've encouraged all of the musicians and the leaders all to come in. And what happens is Nehemiah then brought the leaders onto the wall with the musicians and the singers. And he splits them into these two great choirs. And what happens is they walk around, they parade around the walls. And the walls, just to give you an idea, they were 2.7 meters, 2.75 meters wide, it's thought. Okay, no health and safety railings. But the two groups you've got, one who was led by Ezra, and they went anti-clockwise to the south. And so the way it would have been, it would have been from the passage, what it says, you've got Ezra, then this big thankful choir, you've got Hosea and the officials, and then you've got after them, it's priests blowing trumpets. And then behind them, you've got the other Levites with other musical instruments. And then the other group, they went clockwise to the north. And in that group, you've got Nehemiah, then a big choir, then some officials, and then you've got the priests blowing the trumpets, and you've got the Levites playing their instruments, And they go in these opposite directions. And what's going on is the choirs, they're specifically doing something, they're specifically singing in a certain way, and it's giving thanks. They're thankfulness choirs. And they're singing, and they'll be chanting, and they're thanking God in psalm and in song. And you've got the trumpets who are close behind them. This is a a selected group of talented priests just behind the choir. And and it's not shofars, which would have been more like the the animal thing, the animal's horns that you see, but the the trumpets will have been about 1.5 meters. Like silver tubes. And they thought that they only, they only really blow two notes, but it would have been blown to set and keep pitch. And they would have been close behind the choir. The reason being is because outside sound does dispel really quickly. And then following them the, with the Levites, you've got a load of other instruments. So the symbols are what we think. You've got the, you know, the metal discs, that's what the symbols would have been. You've got harps, which is the, the longer, and they've got different lengths of strings, so they make different sounds on the harp of then lyres they're actually smaller but what they've got is different um, thicknesses and tensions a bit like what you'd see on a guitar so the the strings will make different sounds there and what happens is they set off and they go round the walls of Jerusalem in different directions and they both come together at the gate of the guard at the temple and you can just imagine as they've got there just what's going around or what's going on as they walk around the city Think about what they're walking past. Think about what they're doing. They're actually being reminded and walking past evidences of God's grace. They're actually walking past on the walls as they're looking out all the things that God has done through them. They're walking past the work that had involved the whole community in all different ways. Each family taking building ownership in different areas of work. Some families and some communities building opposite homes, some opposite places of work. We looked at the goldsmiths and people like that, didn't we? And they've completed this work in 52 days, and that is just incredible. To do it in that amount of time is just, it can only be with God's help. So they're singing as they walk on the finished walls that they built and that God built through them. So what they're doing is they're singing thankfulness to God for what he has done. They're literally walking through all the evidence of God's grace around them to say, thank you. What a great way to lead God's people in and to worship. Look at what God's done. Look at what God has done for us. Look at what God has done through us. Look at what God has done in and through each other. And what we see is they come together in that verse 43. It's just this wonderful picture of a worshiping community. I think it's worth reading again. Verse 43 and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Every single one in the community, men, women, children, giving thanks, singing, shouting, celebrating with a a joy, a true biblical God-centered joy that explodes outwards so loud that it can be heard far away. Far away. And then in verse 44 to 47, we see a provision for preparation and worship. On that day, Men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes, to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites, according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priest and the Levites who ministered, and they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers. And there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers. And they set apart that which was for the Levites. And the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of er, Aaron. They'd had this great rejoicing. And in doing so, and in what they were reflecting on, they'd realised the value and the importance of God's people gathering and being thankful and rejoicing and singing together. So they set up a system to support and to help the people who served in that way, the Levites. And they want this to continue and they want this to be helpful. So we don't see resentfulness or, or distrust here. What we see is joy. They rejoice over them. They willingly give of the first fruits for the work of God's people. They rejoice over the priests and the Levites who serve them. They cheerfully give for the work of God's people. And they set up a system of collecting. It was actually daily. They would eat here. They, they daily collected for the workers. And they also make sure there's a protection over what God's people gave. They wanted to steward the resource as well. There was people over the storehouses. And in verse 45 to 46, we get an indicator, indication which actually draws this moment beyond itself. Showing that this, this is something that God's people always did. They understand themselves here as continuing on with a legacy that was started by David, and poured through David's time. See what we have here, folks, is and what we read about here is a worshiping community, and there's so much that we can see here and so much that we can be encouraged by. And I just want to bring this together with just to, to highlight a few from this passage. And the first one is the reason to worship. The reason to worship. You see, worship is, is the right response to God revealing himself to us. It's us responding rightly when God reveals himself to us. And the right response that we see here in God's people is thankfulness. Let me just flick through and, and show you that. In fact, I, I just wanna, I'm going to reach back into chapter 12 from last time that we looked at. Chapter 12, verse 8. He was with his brothers and was in charge of thanksgiving. Verse 24. To praise and to give thanks. Verse 27. To celebrate the g- dedication with gladness with thanksgiving. Verse 31. And appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. Verse 38. To give the choir of those who gave thanks. Verse 40. So both choirs of those who gave thanks. Verse 46. Of praise and thanks. There were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. Do you see that? Repetitive again and again and again and again. Seven times through this passage. Thankfulness, thankfulness, giving thanks, giving thanks, thankfulness. There is something that God is showing us and screaming at us and saying to us. Thankfulness is really important in your worship. Really important. And so God's people, as they were reflecting on their lives, as they were reflecting, as we read through Nehemiah, Nehemiah on their history, what they've been brought back from, how they've been kept safe, how God protected them from their enemies all around, how when they confessed sin that they were forgiven of their sin and ensured of their pardon. We see that, that they were understanding who they were as a people. They, they were reflecting on how faithful God had been throughout their history and also to them as a people pouring into that day. They were seeing their own place in the plan and salvation, the pla- their own place in, the, in God's plan of salvation and redemption. They were acutely aware of God's presence with them. They were acutely aware of God's grace and favour upon them. In light of those things, thankfulness is the only right and rational response. And it's thankfulness that, that leads to a, a joy that overflows. That verse forty-three. Did you see how many times the word joy was there? They rejoiced. He made them rejoice with great joy. And the children rejoice, and the joy of Jerusalem was far away. Thankfulness pours out in joy, a joy that is felt in the soul. And joy, folks, is a powerful force to transform emotion that pours and overflows out. We have so much to be thankful for. God has been so good to us, so good to us. And he always has been, and he always will be. Just reflect on your life your life as you sit here. Reflect on your life. Just take a a walk in light of what we're seeing in Nehemiah. Take a walk on the walls of God's grace in your life. Have a little walk with God and His people through your life and just see how God has acted and moved and shaped and transformed and been present. Just reflect just for a moment on what God has brought you from. What He has done for you. God gave you a son. Jesus Christ lived and died for you. You are forgiven. You are free. You are a child of God. God lives in you. You've been anointed not with oil as we say, but you've been anointed with God's Holy Spirit who lives within you. God has been faithful to you through everything. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. We're told that. God tells us that. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You have an eternal inheritance as a believer in Jesus. God pours out his grace on you. His grace is never ending. It is infinite. In fact, your whole existence is defined by grace. Your history, as you look back and reflect on it, it makes sense now. You've been brought into a people. You're safe. You are part of God's story. God's eternal plan for humanity. You have an incredible future ahead of you and be thankful. See, if you need help, if you're struggling for joy, again, let me take you back and receive, please, a pointer from the people of Nehemiah's day. Take time today, not just now, but when you get home, this week, every day. Do it hourly if you need to, but walk around the walls of God's grace in your life. Take the time to walk around with thankfulness See his faithfulness, see his presence, he's never left you, see his goodness to you, because you are surrounded by it. And if you're struggling, ask for eyes to see it, God helps us to see this. And if it's sin that's crushing you here today, if it's shame, if it's guilt, maybe life right now is a mess for you. And you're thinking, how can I be joyful That's the wonder of the grace of God. And that's the wonder of the God of grace. See, as these peoples walked the walls, the city was still in a mess. It was. It wasn't a beautiful city by anyone's standards. It was still wrecks and it was ruins. The city carried the scars of sin and it carried the scars of warfare. But God was doing a new thing through his people. Believers in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. No matter what is happening right now, no matter the mess as you walk, the walls of your life, you can be joyful. Why? My wife sent me the words of an old song this morning. These are the words which I think would be helpful for us to hear and reflect on. I, w- I don't know it. I'm sure many of you do. I am a new creation. No more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God I stand. My heart is overflowing. My love just keeps on growing. Here in the grace of God, I stand. And I will praise you, Lord. Yes, I will praise you, Lord. And I will sing of all that you have done. A joy that knows no limit. A lightness in my spirit. Here in the grace of God, I stand. Every one of us, no matter what is going on or the mess of your life right now, can be joyful because we stand in the grace of God as new creations. Secondly, we see the benefits of worship. See, what we do when we come to church and we sing together, we sing for ourselves and we sing for others. So the shared worship, shared singing actually reminds us together of who we are. Three weeks ago, I went to my auntie's funeral, my auntie Terry, and um, I sat there with some of the members of my my family um, and my uncle, my dad's brother and my uncle Harry. I was just sat a couple of, couple of seats along from me. At the end of the funeral, when the, all, had, all had been said and done, the, um, the song that they closed the funeral with was Walk On, which here, from Liverpool, it's a regular occurrence. And my Uncle Harry broke down. He just broke down, sobbing. And as we're walking out, I was, I was talking to him, he said, he just gets me every time. Gets me every time. You see, what, what's getting him is not football, okay? That's not what's affecting him in his soul. That's not what's pouring out in that way. That's not what's going on there. What he's doing is he hears that song. It is evoking things in his memory. It is has taken him to places. He is reflecting on stories. This is a man in his 70s. He's reflecting on disasters that have affected the whole city and people around him. He is reflecting on People and family, and friends, times, and funerals, many, many funerals where he has heard that same song and seen a different number of faces around him. People who have passed, people who have gone before, there are memories that are just triggered, and the emotions just spill out. Folks, we are part of a much, much deeper, much deeper story. We are part of God's story. And God's story has become our story. And the songs that we sing, they remind us and they take us deeper into the reality of God's story. What we do when we sing together, we build each other up as we sing. We we worship together. And it's not just the taught truths that we understand in our head, but we're to sing with the truth that, that permeates everything. Emotion desires our will. It even affects us physically. Folks, if you don't know this already, thankfulness and joy is good for you physically. It's good for you. And worship, it stirs up God, God's people. Singing and responding rightly with a group of God's people, the family, the local family of God's people, revives us. Singing together, being thankful together, causes great joy. a shared joy. Being thankful together builds the unity that we have together. It reminds us of what it is that unites us, the love of God in Christ. And we get to look around and we get to be reminded of God's work in each other's lives. We get to see as we look around and see how God has worked in and through you and each other, what God has done through other people in the church, what God has done through us as a church. We get to reflect and see why wow, God has done that. What a God. Reflecting on God's grace in our lives and others revives us, stirs our soul. It spurs us on. Into can I say to this next season, with a line drawn in the sand and a look to the future. See, as we come over the next couple of weeks to finish this book, it is a great time to start reflecting. What is God stirring up within you? That last year has gone. There is a new day. There is a new dawn. What does it look like for us to move forward together? And as we sing together, we engage in a spiritual battle cry. in the Old Testament, you actually read the people of God in certain um, battles. They sang as they went into battle. And our corporate singing is a means by which we fight the spiritual battle together. We fight despair. We fight fear. We fight doubt. As we proclaim the truth, not just to ourselves, folks. As we sing, others are hearing us sing. We're proclaiming that truth and battling with each other, with everything that we have. We are stepping forward on behalf of one another with a song in our mouth and a joy in our heart. It's a spiritual battle. And thirdly, we see the people who worship. I've just got two points as I I bring this to a close. And these last two points, I really want us, and and I'm asking that God would, in and through these points, raise and lift up our eyes to see the wonder and the beauty and the truth of what we get to do here. See, in verse 43 of the passage, we see that the, the whole community of God's people in Nehemiah's day was worshipping. But what's interesting is there's just a few little crumbs dropped here that just point us somewhere. Verse 36, verse 37, verse 45, verse 46. It gets connected back to David. See, they are seeing and they are aware that they are part of a bigger story, a people through time. That's what they're seeing as well. There's a a connection point to them. So as we sing, we've got to realise, folks, that that our, jo- our voices are joining with songs in heaven. See, what we are doing as we worship together is transcendent. It's not just this moment, but there is something above and beyond what we are doing here of more importance that is transcendent. And Revelation 5 and 7 opens the doors to what I believe is happening in heaven now. Let me just read from two passages, Revelation 5, 9 to 10. And they, that is the angel and the people, in heaven sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Revelation 7 9 to 12 says, This After after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. From all tribes, from all peoples and languages, some of the ones that we've heard about before from open doors, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, Amen. I pray that we would see not just the privilege of singing together on the mornings that we get to do it, but that we, like the people in Nehemiah's they would grasp the significance of what is happening as we sing, the, the transcendence, the wonder, the mystery, the beauty of what it is that we are actually drawn into. That our praise, as it rises, yes, it's joining with our brothers and sisters in this local family, but it's rising and it's joining with brothers and sisters all over the world. It is joining with our brothers and sisters all throughout town, time. And it is resounding with joy and thankfulness in the very throne room of heaven itself. And we grasp that as we see the destination in worship. Verse 40, where did they arrive at these two great choirs? The temple of God, the place of God, the house of God, where God was, the place that God had told them to meet him in worship. The point of worship is to glorify God, to celebrate all that he is and all that he has done. The starting point, the end point of any worship journey as it is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, let me say this really as clearly as I can. If you're not worshipping God through Jesus Christ, you are not worshipping God at all. If you are not worshipping God through Jesus Christ, you are not worshipping God at all. See, the writer to the Hebrews shows us the wonder of our worship in Jesus in comparison to what was happening in Old Testament times, it just lifts our heads up to see what it is we get to do. Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and, the tempest, and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you, New Testament believer, the church, Cornerstone Church Liverpool, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirit of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus The mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This is showing us our destination in worship. Our location as it were in worship. What is happening as we gather, as we worship? We come to the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. We join with angels. We join with the church that is enrolled in heaven. And we come before God himself. Not fearful, not worry, not fear in condemnation, but with the freedom of children. Because we come sprinkled with the blood that speaks a better word than Abel's spilt blood. You see, if you read Genesis, you will see that Abel's blood was a consequence of murder, and it spoke condemnation for Cain. But we are sprinkled with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord Jesus Christ's blood speaks no condemnation, speaks freedom over our lives, freedom, yes. From sin, from guilt and shame, yes. But even more, folks, freedom to. Freedom to worship. Freedom to be thankful. Freedom to be joyful. Freedom to live a life of sacrifice and service, all for the glory of God. So let me close. As we come to take communion together and respond in singing with thankful hearts, let me close with God's word. Look into God in Christ Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace towards us, for your goodness. Father, we thank you that no matter what is happening, no matter what is going on, no matter where we are in our life, no matter what we are walking through, that we can be joyful, that we can be thankful because you are good to us, that you are present with us, that you have been gracious towards us. Father, give us eyes to see, I pray. Father, by your spirit, would you give us a spirit of thankfulness? Not just today, Father. Yes, as we sing for the rest of our service, but as we leave this place, as we go about our lives in all the different areas that we go to, would you give us a thankful thankful heart? Would you give us thankful eyes? Would you help us to fix our eyes and be reminded of the things in our life that we can be thankful for? Would you give us a joy that explodes outwards, a joy that can be heard far away? Father, would you place in our hearts just a depth of thankfulness that nothing can shake, a depth of joy that nothing can shake because of what you've done for us in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that, that you would help us to use this time as we take this bread and this wine, these reminders that you've given us, as we hold them, as we taste them, as we ingest them. Father, would you remind us of what you've done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ and see us the real focal points the focal point of our thankfulness and joy, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we need you. We need your help by your Spirit to do a work amongst us today, to send us from this place today so that we too would explode out with great rejoicing. Amen.